Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? Hey, well, that's good. I actually, Rob was talking earlier about it being Veterans Day tomorrow, and I have some pretty exciting news for everyone. The last couple weeks, I was actually not here, and I was down in San Diego, and I was finishing up my service in the Marine Corps, and now I am officially a veteran. And, uh, yeah. Six, six years went by real quick. And uh, for those of you who do not know, today is actually November 10th, and today is the Marine Corps birthday. So to all my fellow Marines out there, I just want to say happy birthday. Rah. <laughs> and we are actually about to add to our Marine Corps family, because in seven days, Edwin Camacho is shipping off for boot camp. We'll, we'll be praying for you, because uh, I don't envy you. But, but we hope you enjoy your stay out there. But yeah, I wasn't here the last couple weeks when Rob and Dane preached, but from what I've heard, you guys just did an incredible job. And I found out that they were going before me, and I was just thinking, man, i got to follow them up? <laughs> Lord, help me. But I heard you guys just did an incredible job. And today, I'm excited today, because we're going to be taking a look at one of the I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. And we find it in John chapter 15. And this is where Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, something that I love about these I am statements from Jesus is we get to look at not necessarily what Jesus did, but who Jesus is. Like the essence and the nature of who Jesus truly is. But before we dive into it, Will you guys join me as we open up in prayer? Um, Because the Israel team, for those of you who don't know, some of the Israel team is actually in the air right now, flying back. And uh, some of the the team is staying there until, I believe, Tuesday, and then they're going to be coming back. So will you guys join me as we open up in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we we thank you for every morning. And uh, I want to lift up the Israel team that is in the air right now. Uh, I pray for safe travels for them as they're coming back. And uh, I also want to pray for the Israel team that is still there. God, I pray, I pray you, you care for them and you protect them and, and give them safe travels returning home. But most importantly, I, I pray that they continue to grow their relationship with you. And God, I, I pray today as we open up your word and you allow me to speak about it. I pray you don't let me say anything you don't want me to say. God, we invite your presence with us this morning. We pray you work on our hearts and change our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So you're with me, John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Man, Jesus, he just has such an incredible way with words. 
so I'm the type of guy who likes to highlight and mark in my Bible. I know some people don't like that, but you know, it's my thing. And I was noticing this the other day. As I go through the Old Testament, like I do have some marks and highlights, but as soon as I hit the New Testament, it is almost every single word that Jesus spoke is highlighted in my Bible. Like he just has such an incredible way with words. And here he, in verse 1, he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Now this imagery of a vine producing, producing fruit, branches, is actually pretty well-rooted in the Old Testament. We find this in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, in Psalms. But something that's interesting is that almost every single time this imagery is used, it is used in a negative sense. This vine was supposed to be Israel, and they were supposed to produce fruit, yet failed. And this is generally a message of God's judgment upon this unfruitful vine. And I want to take a look at one of them very quickly. It's Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21. It says, But I was the one who planted you, choosing a vine of the purest stock, the very best. How did you grow into this corrupt wild vine? No amount of soap or lye can make you clean. I still see the stain of your guilt. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Now, this is generally a message of judgment and inadequacy upon this unfruitful vine. But this is something that I love about Jesus. And he, he does this quite often. Jesus will just take something and completely flip the script. Like, he'll just take something and turn it on its head. And, you know, when he says, I am the true grapevine, this is no longer a message of judgment and inadequacy. This is a message of hope and redemption. Essentially, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying what you and your ancestors have failed to do, I can do. I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. And he continues in verse 2. It says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. Now, verse 2. Verse 2 doesn't seem as happy as verse 1 at first glance. But about a few weeks ago, I, uh, I was speaking with Rob, and I was in his office, and I, I was telling him that I was planning on speaking on John 15, how Jesus is the true vine. And Rob's eyebrows perk up. Now, if you've spoken to Rob for a little bit, you, you know this. He, Rob just loves giving these nuggets of knowledge and wisdom. And when those eyebrows perk up, you know it's going to be good. <laughs> and he's like, John 15. Have you looked at it in Greek yet? And my eyebrows perked up now. I'm like, well, not yet. But guess what I'm about to do like right now? And there in his office, we're opening up our Bibles. And we were looking at verse 2 in particular, where it says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. The word for cut off here in Greek is the word airy. But something that's interesting is the word airy means to lift up. The word airy has three meanings. One is to simply lift up. Another one is to lift up and carry. And the third one is to lift up and take away. Now with this in mind, this verse could potentially read very differently. You know, he lifts up every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now this makes a little, little sense here because some, some translations will record this as every branch of mine or every branch in me. It's talking about a branch that already is abiding in Jesus. And, you know, we live in Salinas. And a lot of us, we know a thing or two about vineyards. Either we own them, or we're around them. 
And even if you're not, you probably still know a thing or two about them. But something that's interesting with a grapevine is that if a grapevine grows on the ground, it either won't produce fruit or it struggles to produce fruit. And the fruit that it does produce is you know, going to be rotten. There's insects and moisture on the ground. Something that you need to do with a grapevine is you need to lift it up. And Rob was telling me something that they used to do in the first century is they would stack rocks on top of each other. And then they would lay the grapevine on these rocks. Essentially, they would lift it up so that it was able to produce fruit. And there's actually a little debate going on about what Jesus actually meant here. But he continues that sentence. And it says, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wish that there was another word there other than prune. Like, why can't it be blessed? You know, he blesses the branches that produce fruit. No, he, he prunes. And this experience of pruning isn't necessarily enjoyable. You know, we get things taken away. We get things cut out of our, out of our lives. You know, we could just be dealing with, you know, health or finances. It can just be general suffering in our life. And, and notice how Jesus here, he doesn't say, if there are seasons of pruning. He's saying, as a fruit-bearing Christian, there will be seasons of pruning in our life. How do we view our seasons of pruning? Because, quite honestly, it kind of blows my mind that in America, the prosperity gospel is just so unbelievably popular. You know, you don't have to look far. You can turn on your TV Sunday morning, flip a couple channels, and see what the gospel is not. I've heard a preacher one time using this very same verse, talking about if you just abide in Jesus, you just stay connected to this vine, that life's going to be easy. That God's going to bless you. You know, completely missing this pruning aspect of things. You know, being a Christian, being a real Christian, does not mean we are going to have this cookie-cutter utopia. Being a real Christian does not mean life is going to be easy. You know, Jesus saying, as a real Christian, there will be seasons of pruning. Now, how do we view those seasons of pruning? Because there's this man, his name is Inky Johnson. Now, Inky Johnson is a really cool dude. He played football for the University of Tennessee. And in his junior year, he got a contract with the NFL. And, and this was Inky's dream. You know, Inky grew up in a two-bedroom house with 14 other people. He would wake up every morning at 4 a.m. to run drills, practicing for this game of football. And in his junior year, he got a contract with the NFL. And this was multi-million dollar contract, almost guaranteed top 30 pick. All Inky needed to do was play the next nine games, and he would be in the NFL. And he was playing a game against Air Force. And Inky went in to make a tackle, and as soon as he made contact, he blacked out. A couple moments later, he wakes back up, and some of his teammates are standing over him, saying, come on, Inky, let's finish him off. And Inky says, I can't. So they cart Inky off the field, and they take him to a hospital, and they're running a bunch of tests on him. And then the doctor comes in and says, we need to get Inky into surgery right now, or he is going to die. And Inky's sitting there thinking, like, die? Like, he couldn't have used a synonym? <laughs> like, you're just going to say it, die. 
And the doctor sees that Inky is questioning him. So he tells him, you ruptured your clavian artery. If we don't get you into surgery right now, I guarantee you will not be here in the morning. So they rush Inky into surgery. And after the surgery, he wakes back up and he realizes that he cannot use his right arm. Both his right hand and arm are completely paralyzed. His dreams of the NFL, gone. So Inky decided to choose a different career path. He decided to go tell people his story and tell people about the love of Jesus. And a couple years later, he was getting interviewed by ESPN. And they said, man, Inky, wouldn't you want to be in the NFL? And Inky's response was, man, if you only knew. If you only knew that my dad got saved because of this injury. Man, if you only knew. If you only knew that my three friends who are now in the NFL got saved because of this injury. Man, this is probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I wouldn't trade this for the world. And he says, you want to know how I know that God has me in the right place and how he's using this injury? Is because when I'm about to go on stage and proclaim the love of Christ, I get an even greater feeling than when I was about to run on the field to play a game. Man, if you only knew. Seeing the impact that God has had in my life and the life of people around me because of this injury, man, if you only knew. Man, Inky Johnson, his story is incredible. And if you follow him on social media, He's about, on Twitter, he has about 300,000 followers. And he posts the same thing every single day. He says, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Every single day. Man, how do we view our seasons of pruning? Do we view it on one side of the room? Where we're like, God, why is all this hurt, heartache, and suffering happening in my life? Or do we view it on the other end? Like Inky Johnson who rejoices in his season of pruning because he knows that that season of pruning is only allowing him to bear more fruit. How do we view our seasons of pruning? Because Jesus says they're going to come. And Jesus continues in verse 3. He says, You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now, verse 3. Verse 3 is one of those verses in the Bible that, like, I just can't believe it's actually in there. You know, just every time I read it, just seeing the love and the grace of God towards humanity, it just blows my mind. Because these disciples who Jesus is speaking to, they're about 24 hours away from betraying Jesus. Like, the worst betrayal in human history. I don't know if there's levels of betrayal, but like this one's really bad. They're 24 hours away from saying with curse-filled lips, I don't know this man, and leaving Jesus to be slaughtered. And the thing is, Jesus knows this. Yet in verse 3, he tells them, essentially, you have been cleaned because you believe my message. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. You know, that's the beauty of grace right there. Like, it doesn't matter what you've done. The only thing that matters is what Jesus did for you. And, and here, what, what he's saying, he's saying you have been cleaned. And these disciples, they messed up pretty bad. But he tells them they've been cleaned. You know, it reminds me of that verse we were looking at earlier in Jeremiah, 
where God says no amount of soap or lye can make you clean. And the only thing that can make us clean is the blood of Jesus. It is by believing in his message and the words that he spoke. You know, as, as we're going through this, you know, it, 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 make, it kind of seems so simple. Doesn't it? Like Jesus really isn't asking that much of us here. He just keeps saying, you know, like, abide in me. Stay connected to me. You know, I, I'm, the, I'm the true vine. Abide in me. Now, this is something that I love about these I am statements that Jesus makes. He just makes it so simple. You know, like when Jesus says, I am the shepherd, you are the sheep. It's like, okay, what does a sheep do? It's like, all right, I'm just a dumb sheep. I'm like, what do I do? I follow the shepherd around. Where are we going? What are we doing? Can you feed me now? And here Jesus is just making it seem so simple. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Now in verse 5, he says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. You know, part of being a Christian is bearing fruit. So I think it's, it's really important to define what is that. And there are really two interpretations of this. Some people will say that the fruit that Jesus is talking about in John 15 is actions. It's by what you do. It's the goodness that comes out of your life by abiding in Jesus. And others would say it's the fruit of the Spirit. But in reality, I don't think these are two separate things. I think they work together. I think that the Holy Spirit produces action. And I, I'm going to look very, very briefly at Galatians chapter 5. Because Paul says something here. He talks about the Holy Spirit producing fruit in our lives. And it's John, or, uh, Galatians 5 verse 22. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now notice how Paul here, he says the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, like fruit as in singular. And this makes a lot of sense because as you go through the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, like it's pretty hard to cherry pick here. Like, Can you really say that I have joy in my life, but I lack the other areas? You know, do, you really, do you really have joy in your life without having peace? Do you really have love without having goodness? Do you really have faithfulness without having patience? And if you lack patience, you probably lack self-control. Like the, These attributes of the fruit of the Spirit are essentially inseparable. They work together. And something that I noticed with this is you know, almost all, all of these attributes, they, they call for an action. You know, can you really say that you love me? but your actions don't show it, then it's just nothing but a word. You know, can you really say that you have self-control, but your actions don't show it? It's nothing but a word. And, and what I believe Jesus is saying, going back to John, he keeps saying, you know, like, if you remain in me, you will be fruitful. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, I am perfect love. I am perfect peace. I have perfect patience. I have perfect self-control. In every attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, I am perfect in. Remain in me, and I will produce this fruit in you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. 
And in verse 6, he says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now, we can debate verse 2 with the word airy. You know, we can, we can debate that. But in verse 6, there's no debate. Where it says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away. The word for thrown away here in Greek is abelethe. And it means thrown away. It means trash, discarded, gone. Now, if you examine your life, and you see that your life is lacking fruit, your life is probably lacking Jesus. But like, seriously, this is probably something that we should be talking about. You know, if you take a look at your life and your life is lacking fruit, the question that you need to ask yourself is who are we truly abiding in? Who are we truly connected to? Because a lot of the times, people like to attach themselves to, you know, a pastor or a, or a ministry leader or a theologian. You know, they try to attach themselves to the Moses rather than climbing up the mountain and attaching to the source. Who are we truly abiding in? Who are we truly connected to? Jesus continues in verse 8, or verse 7. He says, but if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. I kind of feel like Jesus, he's repeating the same thing over and over. Remain in me and I will remain in you. It kind of sounds like a broken record here in a sense, but I really think that Jesus is trying to nail down a point here. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. He says, but if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. You know, abiding in Jesus... And Jesus producing fruit in our lives glorifies God. You know, so then I think the question comes up is how do we truly abide in Jesus? How do we truly truly stay connected to this vine? And I, I think prayer here is a really big part. Because prayer is essentially what separates us from the you know, Jehovah Witness or the Mormon or whatever it might be. The difference is that when we pray, God hears it. You know, it kind of reminds me of that story with Elijah when he's with those priests of Baal. And Elijah's just like, you know, you guys can cut yourself all you want. You can scream out, you can shout, you can holler all you want. Like no one's hearing you. And then he says, now, like, watch what happens when I pray. And they had two altars and Elijah just douses his altar in water and he prays and this thing just gets lit up. Now let's say we have Elijah up here right now. A lot of us would feel like that's, that's the prophet Elijah. You know, like when he prays, God hears. Like, can you pray for me? But then I, I could say, but I'm Adam Matthew. I mean, essentially I would have one up on Elijah with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So then what's the difference here? You know, if we had a transcript of our prayer life, how would that read? What would it look like? Because we can compare and contrast with Elijah's transcript. Because when Elijah was with those priests of Baal, we know what he said. 
And something that's interesting is Elijah's whole prayer was about glorifying God. It was about bringing glory to God's name and not his own. You know, I'm going to be honest, there's been times where I'll, I'll get so wrapped up in ministry and I'm, I'm praying, I'm like, you know, God, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you bless this? Can you bless that? I'll just sit back and I'll be like, Adam, like, are you, are you trying to glorify God here or are you trying to glorify yourself? Because that is what this whole fruit-bearing process is about. It is about bringing glory to God's name and not our own. bringing glory to God, abiding in Jesus, and Jesus producing this fruit in our life. Glorifies God. You know, it's about abiding in Jesus and trusting that Jesus is going to produce the fruit in our life. Because there's also been times where I'm praying for something and I feel like I'm praying so hard for something. I'm like, God, if you do this, it will enable me to bear more fruit. And, you know, it's just not in God's will. And I'll, I'll be like, was my heart not in the right place? You know, even even First Peter says the way I treat my wife, it can affect my prayers. And I'll sit back and I'll be like, Adam, trust in the vine that you abide in to produce the fruit. Because it's not on the branch to produce the fruit. A branch by itself will never produce fruit, no matter how hard it tries. The only way a branch can produce fruit if it's if it stays connected to the vine. And in the same way, in our lives, the only way we can be fruitful is if we stay connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. And in the same sense, if you take a look at your life and you see that your life is abundant in fruit, like that's not because of you. That is because of Jesus. That is because of the vine that you abide in. And the only way that we could ever be fruitful, that we could ever have this fruit that glorifies God is by stay connected, staying connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm going to invite the worship team up here right now. And as we, as we close, I want to ask you guys this question. What does the fruit in our lives look like? You know, when we, when we take a look at our life, is our life abundant in fruit? Might we be in a season of pruning? Is there no fruit at all? And what does the fruit in our lives look like? You guys join me as we close in prayer. Father, we, we thank you for this morning. God, I, I pray that we, we know that, that you are the true vine. And God, I, I pray that we always stay connected to you and allow you to produce fruit in our lives that glorifies you. And I pray you strengthen that bond because you are the true vine. And God, I pray that the fruit that we bear in our life, we don't take credit for because it's not because of us. It's because of you working in our life. God, we thank you for what you do today and every day. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.